Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. It's been an exciting time here through our semesters and everything we've been going through. As all of you know that one of our values in this church is family. We value the family unit. We, we strongly believe that when we can help your family grow and be strong, that your house will be blessed. And, and when you follow God's principles, uh, God will prove himself. Many times we teach, many times we give instruction that we feel that God's given us through his word. And, and so every once in a while we hear testimonies, uh, quite often to be quite honest with you. And um, it's exciting to hear some of the stories that God has. And so last Wednesday we were preaching and teaching and and last Wednesday was really interrupted by the Spirit of God. We try to do our best to follow His presence whenever He decides to. It's His church, right? We're just here working for Him, serving Him. And last week, we just kind of delivered a, a, an on-time word, and, and we're following God's presence. And I got a, a text message from our children's directors, and they said, uh, Pastor, could you come over here? We want to share something with you. Or uh, I forget what the exact text said but it was something to that effect and they started they started to share a testimony because our children's department they need to know where we're at in the service so i think we have a monitor over there with the speaker system and they can hear and see it over there so they'll know what we're doing here to release your children on time but they were listening to the service and they shared a testimony. So I've asked Lori and Stephen Green to come and share that testimony with you all. Would you give them just a moment to share that? Would you like to hear a testimony from one of our church families, leaders and directors? I want them to go ahead. Go ahead, man, and just share your work, share your heart. So God has been showing up for us about four or five different ways over the last few months concerning our house. Um, if you don't know, we're a family of seven. We live in a double-wide trailer on a few acres we've been working on paying off. Some of them are paid off, some of them are not. And so for years, we've tried to, dis- to look into every aspect on how to enlarge our house. We've looked into adding on, switching out a new mobile home, building a house, and a lot of things really stacked against us as far as our situation. So one of the, one of the things that God showed up to just last week is what I wanna share, is we've been in negotiations with a mobile home place that will buy our old mobile home and give us a new one. And so obviously it's bigger, so we'll make sure everything's right before we start to make that commitment. So time after time, every time I think I have a little hiccup, God shows up and takes care of it. And so little at a time, little at a time, and now it's almost the end, where this is where we need money, this is where we have to sign your life away, this is where the rubber hits the road. So with the land, we tried negotiations, a couple of things went back and forth. And the last one's, okay, everything's finalized. I think we got it. They want this. They're going to take three acres of your land tied to the home. We're going to do all this kind of stuff. Like, okay, sounds good. And normally, if you're not used to that uh, mobile home life, if you, if you put your uh, down payment for your, your actual land for collateral, you don't have to make a down payment. And so that's what we were told. And then when it comes down to the final paperwork, they're like, ah, you're still upside down on your old mobile home. So we need, actually said $12,500 still. And I was like, ooh, that was, I mean, if I was prepared for it, I understand, but I was, I was expecting zero. And so I talked to him a little bit. I said, is there any wiggle room you have? And he said, well, let me look at that. I talked to the guy at the loan. He explained everything to me. And because you're upside down, they still want cash on hand. 
and you got a good interest rate, you got all this stuff like that, but we it wasn't enough to say, okay, this is God thing, we're ready to go. It's kind of a hiccup because honestly, that amount, our down payment was going to be, we're waiting for our income tax return. And that amount that we're getting is, can pay off our last loan that we have with the bank. That way we'll only owe house, land, and car. And that's where our goal was. And everything fits so perfect. And so when they told me they needed the money, I was pretty devastated. And I was like, this might be a breaking deal for us to make sure we're responsible with our money. So I immediately I tell him, okay, can you, is there any wiggle room, you, wiggle room that you have? He goes, I can call the head guy and talk to him about it and try to negotiate. I said, you do what I, you can do, I'll do what I can do, and let me know as soon as you know. So immediately I, I called Lori and we told her about it. I said, let's just pray about it, see what happens. But I felt like it wasn't enough. I felt like, man, it's like a, a pivotal moment for us right now. So after we had dinner, I was thinking, I was like, you know what? We've just went through a first fruits fasting. We've already looked at the power that comes with fasting. I said, I called all the family and I said, all right. I said, no, we all fasted before. I know y'all just got off fasting, but we're all going to fast again. And I've got a, a seven-year-old and a 10-year-old. They're like, no, because they love candy and desserts. But then I told them why. I said, listen, if you want your own rooms, we need a new house. And if you fast and you pray and you can do this and we join together, we can possibly get this house. But it has to happen like this. So they were on board. So every member of the household, uh, besides the babies that don't understand and they give up their milk, but my seven-year-old, 10-year-old, 19-year-old, me and Lori, all of us decided to start fasting. I said, we're going to fast for 24 hours at midnight to midnight. We're going to fast complete, just water, water only. And unless we hear something good news or no news, we're going to fast for 24 hours, whatever happens first. So then we started. Kids start praying in the morning. They do homeschool afterwards. Instead of eating lunch, they went ahead and just started praying. I reminded them, I texted them, I said, hey, I'm at work, but don't forget to pray when it's supposed to be lunchtime. So we're praying, we're believing, and then I see around 2 o'clock-ish, I see an email, but I have bad inter internet at work. I can't read it, but it's from the guy uh, that's doing our mobile home, and it says, wow, check out this down payment. But I can't open it. It doesn't load, and so I'm freaking out. At the same time, pastor texts me and says, hey, guess what, guys? I'm thinking about y'all today. I'm praying for y'all today. And so I start shaking like something's happening, you know. I can't, eat, I can't do the email. Pastor's praying for us. Something's going on. So I have her go on the computer at home, log into my email, try to get it. We still can't get it. So I finally call the guy and ask him. I say, hey, I, I see something's going on. I don't know what it is. I say, everybody's on the edge of their seat. What did the email say? He goes, wow, you haven't seen it? I'm like, tell me what it is. <laughs> so he goes, all right, talk to the guys. They said that that $12,000 amount was really from a previous bid, but we thought you still wanted to do it, and it was going to go through like that. I talked to the main guy, and he went ahead and changed the down payment for you so it would be better for you. I'm like, oh, okay, good. I'm hoping half, maybe only a fourth left. He says closing costs will only be $50. The fact that it went from $12,500 to $50 is ridiculous. So needless to say, we're extremely happy. Feel the spirit of God immediately when we heard that. We told the kids, I told her, I told her, I said, tell the kids, bring them to the room, tell them it worked. We saw it, we saw God move, it worked. Kids are jumping up and down, they witnessed a miracle, they can see the power of fasting even at seven and ten years old. It was great for the family. I know God is with us, Amen. and we continue to go forward. Amen. Come on, give somebody give God some praise. Thank you, thank you, family.
really just wanted you to hear that testimony because we've been talking about this and he heard us talking about it on Wednesday when the family begins to fast together believe together live together worship together God will move mountains for you so I just wanted you to hear that because it's so important that what we feel God leading us to teach we're only going to teach from this book and whatever principles are in this book if we apply them we're going to see God move in a great way how many of you agree with that isn't that great all right everybody come on stand to your feet here this Sunday morning and uh, we're going to go over again what we are doing this semester this semester we are talking about the DNA of community and we're looking at the Old Test the New Testament church looking at how they lived what they did as a community what was the secret what was the actual principles that were there and before we do that grab your syllabus if you're at home do this at home because we believe that when you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart not only does salvation take place but salvation continues in your life because your word carries power how many of you believe in the power of the spoken word yes, so grab your uh, little little syllabus and let's just Read this together. If you have it, say, I've got it. If you can see it, say, I see it. And let's just pray. Let's just speak it right now on the count of three. One, two, three. I was not created to live isolated. I was created for community. The church isn't just a building I go to. It's a family I belong to. We are called to love, encourage, and lift each other as we do life together. God is pleased by our unity and love for one another. It is Jesus that brings us together and binds us together. We are the church. We are the church. That's a powerful creed right there. We call that the community creed. And we want you to understand that, that you're not by yourself and you're not doing life by yourself. God has everything under his hand and he knows every need that you've got. How many of you would love to learn some real rich principles today to help that you can apply to help you lead your family, guide your family, and see God move in your family? How many of you would love to learn some of these things today? Let's go ahead, Acts chapter two, and I'll get this head mic done. I don't know what's happening to it, but. Bear with us, bear with me. Sorry, sound guys. Acts chapter, Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, it says it here as you look in your Bible. This is where the New Testament church, after they had done, come together. Last week we learned about prayer. We learned about community. We learned about fellowship. And when we look into the, this, this week, we're reading this chapter verse by verse concerning what the Old Testament, New Testament church did. And so it says here, Acts chapter 2, verse 43, Then fear came upon every soul, and many signs and wonders were done through the apostles. Read this with me again. Then, just repeat after me. Then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. I didn't realize it was there. Here's 
what we're going to capitalize on today. Here's what we're going to build on. I'm going to try to slow down a little bit. I'm going to try to teach. I'm going to try to help us become aware of what the Word of God says. And we're going to come together in agreement and watch God do something great for us today. I believe that the Word of God is real. I believe that the Word of God is alive. And I believe that God's Word never fails. How many of you believe that? Let's just pray over the service right now again. Let's do that together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this word. We thank you for the listeners, the hearers. God, in the name of the Lord, we consecrate this moment. We consecrate this moment, God, for us to come together and unite together and believe together and watch this happen and see it come to pass in our community, in our church family, in our homes and in our careers. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody say amen. Amen. One time, just give him a hand clap because he's so worthy. He's just so worthy, and you can be seated. God bless you. Thank you for worshiping with us. The subtitle for this week is actually called A Healthy Kind of Fear. A Healthy Kind of Fear. There have been approaches to the fear of God that have been really, really sugar-coated. When you talk about the fear of God, there are so many definitions, and we use so many words, and it does mean to have a reverence towards God, have an honorable disposition towards your Creator. But the fear of God is exactly what it means. Fear is actually fear. Not in a tormenting way, but in a way that you realize that there are consequences for our actions. And so when we look at the fear of God, we really miss the mark and have missed the mark. We have had God reveal himself to us in so many different ways. In fact, in the Old Testament, when you look at Moses, Moses had God reveal himself to him in a unique way concerning their captivity. God had a conversation with Moses, and he told Moses, he said, Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob knew me as the God Almighty, God who is all-powerful, who has all might, and is able to do all things. But Moses said, I have not revealed myself to Israel as Lord. What he was saying was he was trying to convey to him that to use the word Lord will give us the significance of him being our master. They were Lord under Pharaoh. They had been living for years, generations, under the, the, the tyranny of the taskmasters. They had been submitted to the, the lordship of Egypt and their power. But now God comes to Moses and said, now I want to introduce myself to you all as your Lord. And when he approached Pharaoh, he approached him with that in mind and said, let my people go that they may serve me. Now through servanthood, God was revealing himself and God was fixing to bless Israel. When you look at God and how he reveals himself to people, they can only withdraw from God by how they see God. 
It's like people that know you. You probably have a profession. There's something unique about you. You probably carry a certain skill. And based on how people perceive you is how they will receive you. Based on how people perceive you and knowing your strengths is how they will receive you by faith. So Israel knew God at different fast, different manifold expressions of his, of his power and his majesty at certain times. To, to Abraham, he was Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides, because he walked up on the mountain and offered Isaac, but the, but the angel stopped the knife from da- the dagger from, from coming into his life and his heart, and, and God provided a ram, which was a, another alternative, a sacrifice. God showed himself to Abraham as a provider. God showed himself to David as a God of mercy. God showed himself to Jacob as the God who will get him out of trouble. God proved himself so many ways. But when God sent his only begotten son into the world, what God did was he took every attribute that he had revealed himself to in the Old Testament and wrapped it up into one person and said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. The fullness of the Godhead rests in him bodily. Everything that Jesus was and everything that Jesus is was the full representation of the quality of God, not the quantity of God, but the quality. And so Jesus began to reveal himself as the Son of God. And as he revealed himself, people were able to receive. Jesus received him, he revealed himself as a deliverer, as a healer, as a teacher, rabbi. Many times the teachers would come to Jesus because they respected him and saw his insight into the scriptures, and they called him Rabboni, teacher. They perceived him because they heard him. You and I are the same way. It is no different today. However God reveals himself to you is how you're going to approach him. If you've ever been healed by God, there is really no challenge for you somewhat in your faith when someone asks you to pray for them because you've already experienced God that way. Therefore, you know him as a healer. When you have been delivered from financial difficulty or maybe you have been brought out of an impossible situation and God delivered you and God performed a miracle. It's, it's different when someone approaches you in that area and you, you're asked by them to pray for them and your faith is at another level versus someone who's never experienced a miracle. So God reveals himself to us through knowledge and through experience. When we begin to look at the early church, the early church, they, they saw Jesus in the light of a new covenant in a new kingdom. And when they had all things common and they began to grow and they shared the word, prior to this, the verse right before this verse in verse 43, prior to it in 42, it says that they all came together and they broke bread and they had fellowship and they prayed. But then following that, the scripture says that God did many signs and wonders and the fear of God fell on the people and that fear came into place 
because they saw that God was real and they saw God express himself and reveal himself as a New Testament God to a New Testament people that were delivered out from an old covenant to a new covenant. And now God was revealing himself as not just the great I am, but again, as the healer, as the mighty one, as the deliverer, all things in one. But God had to prove himself in order to establish a mindset within the church. The DNA of the community of the New Testament church had the fear of God in it. I remember in the 90s when there was a new movement, if you, if you would, it seems like every once in a while there is a revelation that hits the body of Christ and then we begin to, we jump on the bandwagon and people start writing books about it when God gives a revelation and then some people just ride the wave of the spirit on that and that's wonderful and they'll write books. I remember in the 90s there were so many books about grace that came out. There were so many movements about the love of God that everybody forgot about the fear of God. And then from a pastoral perspective or one that was in ministry, because I really wasn't a, a, a really a, a full-time minister at that point, but I was a Christian growing, I, I started to realize something even at that, uh, even at uh, that stage of my walk with God that I didn't understand that the grace of God really how I heard other people interpret that and how I saw them walking it out in their life confused me because I didn't see it as giving us permission to do whatever we wanted to do. I saw it as God gracing us with the power to do what's right. Yes, amen. But God began to reveal himself to us in that time frame, but we camped out around it and made it a doctrine that we forgot all the other principles and attributes of God not only is he our master but and our Lord and our Savior but he is our father and if you're going to have a good father a good father not only loves his children provides for his children protects his children are you ready we're fixing to take a raw a, a strong right turn right now you ready but a good father corrects his children a good father corrects his children, and God will reveal himself to us based on how we perceive him. Yes. I heard the story about a young man. I think I've told the story not too long ago, uh, but I'm going to say it again. A young man that was in his teenage years growing up, he was about 17, fixing to hit 18, and he would walk by his, his dad's uh, you know, recliner, on a Friday night, every Friday night, he'd walk by and say, Dad, I'm heading out with the friends, going to go hang out. His dad was watching TV. His dad was drinking. His dad was just focused on, on, the, on the sitcom. And his dad would go, all right, son. Every, it was a routine thing, Friday night. Heading out, Dad. All right, son. Finally, one day, the son started saying more things with his heading out. He said, all right, Dad, fixing to head out to go party. All right, son. Hey, Dad, we're going to go out drinking. All right, son. And he recognized that his dad didn't really respond to his mischievous or, you know, his wildness. And, and he wanted, in his heart, he thought, oh, that's kind of cool. My dad's a cool dad. 
But after a while, the story goes that the young boy, the young man, he said, doesn't he care? And one night he's going out. He said, all right, Dad, we're fixing to head out. We're going to have a good time tonight. We're going to go party. I won't be in early. I'm going to be out late. And then finally he says, all right, son. And he stopped and he said, Dad, don't you care? And the dad's eyes opened up and he looked at him and didn't realize that he was just being that he was just there. One of the hardest things in my life I had to do was spank my children. Oh my gosh. Every one of them were different. If spanking offends you, go stream somebody else's service right now because I'm fixing to talk about when a good father steps in and corrects his children. This is not a parenting sermon, but it's really help us relate to God's sermon as our heavenly father the hardest thing I had to do was spank my kids oh man my oldest boy Caleb he'd sit in the back when Caleb was born he looked like a baby eagle <laughs> hair sticking up eyes real big he was the cutest little thing but when I got on Caleb he was so hurt, not, in, not, not physically, but he was hurt in his heart, and he would cry. His eyes would be so wide, his mouth would be like this. He would try so hard not to cry, because I'd tell him, son, be, be strong, son. Don't cry. It's okay. Daddy loves you. He was so sensitive. My other girl, one of my other daughters, she was tough as nails. When I spanked her, when I had to correct her, I hit her with the belt one time lovingly and she looked back at me as if to say is that all you got my other child all I had to do was look at them the wrong way and they she'd start crying my other boy he's just a mess but it's hard for us to do that but as a good parent I know it's necessary I do not have a national platform. I do not have the, I don't feel like the, the space to speak to a nation. Uh, I have the right to speak to you as a congregation. So to this congregation, I'm just going to give you what I feel like is a little bit of insight to what's happening in our nation, if that's okay. What we are really seeing in our nation is the harvest of undisciplined children Amen. that yes. has entered into our society, yes. developing a new culture of rebellion towards authority. It's just the way it is. The culture has changed. Because somewhere along the way, Dr. Spock said, don't spank your child. Some of you know that. Some of you don't. Look it up. Somewhere along the way, someone said, if you do, we're going to take your children away from you. And the fear of a system replaced the fear of losing your children. Before my children feared God, they feared daddy, and that's just a fact. That's right. But here's the flip side to fear. They knew daddy loved them. Yeah. I love my children. They're older now, and some of, the, some of them are adults. Most of them are adults, but I, I love them with all my heart. And I can't help but look at my kids still, no matter how old they are, and see them still in diapers. 
just in my heart, I just see the child in them still. And I think that's the true heart of a father. So even now, even when they're in relationship with me, I'm still going to put my foot down on certain things because it never stops. You never stop raising your children. You always have to always have to set an example. When they get older and get beyond a place of, of childhood, they don't become your best friends all the time. You still have to carry certain characteristics, yeah. a godly characteristic. To continue to lead them because you taught them how to be children and you taught them how to be sons and daughters but now you have to teach them how to be men and women and God never stops fathering us that way God never stops no matter how long you've been living for God you can be living for God for 40 years or 50 years but you're still in his eyes a child so God never stops correcting us so we never get to a place of Feeling, okay, I have arrived. I am a full, mature Christian. I can do what I want and know my boundaries. No, you don't. Sin will take you further than you anticipate going, that you anticipated. Uh, Temptation will cause you to stray further away from God within time. Because here's where the grace of God has confused many people. We've interpreted the grace of God and thought to ourselves, well, because lightning hadn't struck me, because God had the wrath of God hasn't fallen on me, it must be okay to do what I'm doing. But in essence, what really has happened is we've rejected the instruction of our Father, We've forgotten the law and the commandments of our mother, and we have simply strayed away, and God said, if that's what you want to do, go ahead, but you're going to reap the benefits of your own destruction and your own decisions. Let me give you an example here. Let me just go ahead, and I promise you, at the end of this, you're going to feel so good, so refreshed, so encouraged. Come on, somebody, smile real big. Just say, God has a plan today. God's instructing us. Proverbs chapter 1. Solomon, who was considered to be the wisest man that lived, gave instruction, uh, gave instruction here. He said, these are the Proverbs of Solomon. Proverbs 1, 1 through 9. These are the Proverbs of Solomon. David's son, king of Israel, is establishing his position. Not only is he king, but the king had a father. And the king was a son before, he was a prince before he became a king. I've been under authority. I, I'm an, an, an authority, but here's what I want to give you. He said their purpose of these proverbs is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to learn them, understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives. Everyone say a successful life. <laughs> to help them do what is right. To help them do what is right, just, and fair. These proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge, and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen to the proverbs and become even wiser. And let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning of these proverbs and parables. He is writing, this is like a, a mom or a dad leaving their will and testament and instruction to their children. And he is saying to them, this is what you need to do to receive wisdom and insight. And then he says it right here. By exploring the meaning of these proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and the riddles, he said the fear, everyone say the fear. Yeah. 
The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of pure, true knowledge. If you want to see and have a proper perspective and have the truth in your life, then you need to have the fear of God as the foundation. He said, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. My child, listen, when your father uh, corrects you, a lot of people don't know what that's like with God. They miss out on it because they never had a father to correct them. But I'm going to show you where God does step into our life to try to direct us and correct us. And he does it in a loving manner. But you see, he does this for our own good. Because he cares about us. He loves us. And when you understand how much God loves you, you won't neglect his instruction. And he says, don't neglect your mother's instruction as well. What you've learned from them will crown you with grace. The word grace there is another word for favor. You'll be crowned with favor and grace and, and a chain of honor will be around your neck. People will honor you. They will respect you. They will look up to you in a way that you couldn't imagine. It is never too late to mature. It is never too late to let God begin to do something wonderful in your life. It is never too late to repent and let God take full control of your heart because God loves you more than you love yourself. And God wants to bless you. And God wants to promote you. And God wants to see the plans that he has for you fulfilled in your life. Somebody say amen. So point number one is, and I'm moving further, faster, as far as I, fast as I can. A life without consequences leads to a life of failure. A life without consequences leads to a life of failure. The good example I think we can, a good example I think we can give you is found in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12 and 17. Eli was a high priest, responsible responsible for the keeping of God's house. And if you read the story about Eli, Eli is the high priest also that Samuel was placed under. Samuel became a prophet. Samuel became a mighty man. The scripture says that God used Samuel, that none of his words fell to the ground, but everything he spoke hit the target and came to pass. But he learned under Samuel but not only did Samuel raise, uh, was raised, he learned under Eli. But not only was, was Eli raising Samuel, Eli had two sons of his own. But listen to what the scripture says about Eli, sons. Listen to, his, to what it says. Now the sons of Eli were scoundrels who did not, everyone say respect, who did not respect, had no respect for the Lord or for their duties as priests. Whenever anyone offered a sacrifice, Eli's sons would send over a servant with a three-pronged fork. And while the meat was sacrificed, and while the meat of the sacrificed animal was still boiling, the servants would stick the fork into the pot and demanded that whatever it brought up be given to Eli's sons. So while they are offering the sacrifice to God, Eli's sons, Eli's his sons have an appetite. And they decided, hey, we are more important than God. 
they may not have said that, but their actions spoke louder than words. And they literally went, and, and all the Israelites, it says, who came to worship at Shiloh were treated this way. Everyone who came to worship there, they were approached and they were bullied by sons who were spoiled. Sons who took their father for granted versus one who had no daddy and longed for a father's presence is what the difference was between Samuel and the sons of Eli. I want you to think about that because many times being Christians, we can take our heavenly father for granted as well. And we can become spoiled. I know this because I've experienced it. But only through a process of repentance can God do something in your life and correct you and get you back and pull you back. Aren't you glad for the mercy of God? Aren't you glad for God's mercy and God's grace? Verse 15, sometimes the serpent will come before the animal fat had been burned on the altar and he, would, and, and he would demand raw meat before it had been boiled so that he could be using it for roasting. He wanted to barbecue. And he went and took the meat that was offered unto God and said, it's for me. The man offering the sacrifice might reply, take as much as you want, but the fat must be burned first. Then the servants would demand, no, give it to me now and I'll, or I'll take it by force. That sounds a lot like our generation right now, doesn't it? But it doesn't have to be that way in our house. I'd love to hear all the mamas and all the daddies say, not in my house. Come on, somebody, not in my house. Just, you have to put your foot down. We can't change the world, but we're here to influence the families in Victoria. Yeah. We want to show you that when you choose the right way, God will bless you. Verse 17, so the sin of these young men was very serious in the Lord's sight. Remember, Lord means that he is one that we serve. He's the one that we follow because God brought us out of Egypt into a promised land to serve him. It was always God's intent for us to serve him and make him the Lord of our life. So they treated the Lord's offerings with contempt. The second point I want to give you is disrespect leads to sin. And it's sin that separates us from God. That's what it is. It's sin that separates us from God. It's very easy to feel frustrated when we don't get the results we feel like we deserve. You will not, I want you to write this down. You cannot get the results God wants you to have outside his will. The ways of God are set in heaven. Moses, it said in Psalms 103, knew the ways of God. The children of Israel only saw his acts, actions. But Moses knew exactly how God did it and why he did it. I want to read you something here and give you an explanation of two brothers. Genesis chapter 4, verses 4 through 8 says, And Abel brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. This is another example of sacrifice. This was carried on. And the Lord, everyone say it with me, And the Lord respected Abel. 
and his offering. The Lord respected Abel, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain became very angry, and his countenance fell. His countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why has your countenance falling? The Lord knew, but he wanted Cain to know. Because anger can make you blind. When you're angry, you can't reason with anyone. You can't think straight. Your emotions are high, and you become blinded. Cain could not see it. But somewhere along the way, Abel was wise in the sense that he saw and learned everything that his father and mother taught him. Now, you would think to yourself, well, that doesn't do any good. They're the ones that got us in all those troubles to begin with, right? Eve was the one who failed. Yeah, but they learned from their mistakes. Everyone learns from their mistakes. And this principle, how we know Abel followed the instruction, is because there's evidence. There's evidence in the book of Genesis where God clothed Adam and Eve with with, with the skin of animals, signifying that the blood is what gave them grace to not be killed or destroyed. And we know this by looking further down into the scripture and understanding that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Sin was in their life, but God covered them with the blood. And the evidence was they were clothed with the skin. Abel caught it. So when he came to God, he followed the principle, and he offered up the sacrifice of the animal with the, with the fat and, and gave it as an offering, and God said, I have respect towards Abel because he knows my ways. But Cain said, I'm going to do it my way. We get in trouble when we do things our way. I, if I've ever been in trouble, all I got to do is look back and analyze it and look at it and figure it out that somewhere along the way I didn't follow God somewhere along the way I started doing it my way somewhere along the way don't look at me look at you now <laughs> some of you are like oh, I can't believe Pastor Bobby you would do those kind of things <laughs> put yourself in my shoes we've all done it that's how we learn but God's blood is sufficient his grace is ever his, his grace is sufficient his mercy is everlasting, and he gives us chances to start over. These are the cycles. I, I want to finish reading. Can I finish reading you this little portion right here? Because yes. there's so much in this. Let me give it to you. Verse 6, so the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not well, sin lies at the door. And his desire is for you. But you should rule over it. In other words, you don't have to succumb to sin. But when you do it your way, it describes sin as a hungry dog laying outside the door. Have you ever fed a stray dog only to create a problem? 
that the dog won't go back to its house because its loyalty lies on whoever feeds it? How many of you have ever rescued a dog that you found and you fed it? <laughs> we have rescued more dogs probably than the adopt pet. I mean, I've done it. My wife has done it many times. Well, sin will only feed off of your own desires, but it's up to us whether or not it sticks around. Because you can starve it out. That's why we fast. That's why we pray. But listen to what the Lord said to Canaan. I'm closing with this right here. said you can choose to let it rule over you you can choose to rule over it it's your choice and we know the rest of the story Cain went and killed Abel this was a habit these things that we read about and see in the scripture have been cycles that have been repeated people in the scripture that we look at and use them as examples were meant for us to read about to extract out their successes and their failures anyone in the Bible that had the favor of God on them had a conscience towards God first would you like to see the, a cycle that I feel like God gave me and share with you how this really works to see favor in your life and allow the fear of God to bring blessings into your life here it is right here Let's start up there when it says conscience. If you're watching this at home, at the, at the top of that slide, you see the word conscience. That is the very beginning of where God begins to work in any individual's life. Your conscience will allow you to decipher what's right and what's wrong. Many times we come in contact with people who have no fear of God because they've never allowed God to touch their heart. Some of the reasons why they've never let God touch their heart is because no one's ever shared the love of God with them. Sometimes it's they were raised in an atmosphere where their parents never had the experience. We're living in a day and an age where many children, young adults, older folk, for lack of a better expression, mature people, are void of a conscience that God wants to give them because no one's ever shared it with them no one's ever loved them no one's ever gave and been an example but how many of you know that we've been called to be the light to this world we've been called to be salt to this earth and God wants to use us in our lives the first place it begins with allowing God to touch you and be open to God when you've been touched by God then God gives you a clear understanding of the why and when you have understanding you begin to understand then begin to move forward and you respect towards God or your source changes because people like us realize now I understand when you have a conscience and you know that there is a God and he lets you understand right from wrong 
and it causes you to have a deeper love for God because you realize, you know what? This whole time, God has been protecting me. This whole time, God has not been allowing me to go down that path. I understand now because I see it now. Isn't God good? All things, now I understand why the scripture says, all things work together for my good. To those who love God and are called according to his purpose. As long as I'm receptive and I have a tender heart and I have an open mind, God can lead me and guide me and my respect for him goes to another level. You know why we respect police officers, first responders, because we understand that, yeah, we may be corrected by them when we break the law, but on the flip side, when we're in trouble, it sure does feel good to have somebody around you that knows what they're doing and has authority in their life to take care of perpetrators, to take care of injustice, injustice and to do things for us. God has placed people in our community to protect us, not just to correct us. That's the flip side of your God. And when you understand that, you start to have respect. And when you have respect, you start making decisions based on your moral compass. You start making the right decisions, and because of your decisions, that's what you're going to reap is the results. Most people, and hold on, let me just insist, the results, really that is the favor of God. Amen. The results is what brings faith and love and respect for God to another whole level in your life. And what brings frustration is the wrong results or no results at all. This is exactly what happened to Cain. Cain, for some reason, didn't have a conscience. He didn't understand that God required blood, not fruit, or vegetables, whatever it was, the greatest pumpkin he'd ever grown. I don't know what it was, right? Therefore, he didn't have any respect towards God. Therefore, he made a decision based on his own intellect and own analysis. Therefore, the results he got was rejection from God. When God didn't want to reject him, and he explained it to him, I don't want to reject you, but you know... Cain, if sin lies at the door, it's going to affect you. But when you have God leading you, that's why we come to church. That's why we lift up our hands. Because we need God to touch our heart. We need God to touch our mind. We need to leave here encouraged and strengthened and know what kind of decisions to make. But we need to see the manifestation of God working. We need some results. That's, that is what the New Testament church had, results. So we read it in the context. What they had was signs and wonders that followed them. Therefore, they had the fear of God. They were open. They were receptive. They allowed God to direct them. They made decisions based on that. That's what they had, and that's what you get in community. The DNA of community begins with the fear of God. All people have the fear of God in the sense, and it means exactly what it means. That's exactly what it is. There's nothing wrong with fear. Fear can be healthy. 
But fear was never meant to torment you. It's to give you a reality check that there are consequences for doing the wrong things. Hallelujah. I'll say it again. Before my children ever feared Jesus, they feared daddy first. Because when they did wrong, and you see, you can abuse that position. But godly people, loving fathers, loving mothers, they do it correctly with love, and they explain, and they give understanding. You see, when, when, when you are there in their life as a child, let me clarify this so you understand where we're coming from, because you can relate to this as a son or daughter. So whenever your child does something wrong, it's, it's the chancla that helps them get a good conscience. It's in South Texas. Everyone knows what that means. It's the chancla. Everyone say chancla. I'm joking. I can't believe y'all said that. Anyhow, y'all will say anything. It helps them understand. It gives them a respect for you as a parent because they know there's consequences and they know what happens. Therefore, the next time they make a decision, it's going to be the right one. And when they do the right thing, the results need to be. Are you ready? When you see your children do right, you need to reward them. Yeah. See, you don't want to know how God rewards us? Favor. Don't we have an awesome father? Here's a closing thought. I want you to write this down. Boy, this is so good today, man. I feel like we're just eating a good steak right now. We're just kind of just tearing into it and eating. Do you feel that way spiritually? It's just so rich. I can say that because I'm not that smart. I know the anointing is helping. A healthy respect for God brings unstoppable favor in your life. Now, here's the New Testament church. You ready? Unstoppable favor. What did it say they had? Miracle signs and wonders. So when there was something there in front of them to stop them, a sickness, unstoppable favor came and healed and removed sickness out of the way. Unstoppable. When there was a, a financial need and they couldn't meet it, favor came, blessed them financially, and removed it unstoppable they kept moving forward when there was an addiction or a devil and someone needed God the church would come in because they feared God and had more respect towards God and had no respect to the devil or to any ailment or to any problem they put God first favor would come in remove it and they became unstoppable I'm telling you favor has no limits and favor will give you wisdom, understanding, and insight with God. And you will become a person who is reigning, reigning with blessings in your life. And I'm not saying this as a far reach, but this is so close to us. The moment that we correct ourselves and say, God, here I am. I respect you. I honor you. I care about what you say. The challenge for the week is this. Here's the challenge. Give double honor to the authority figures in your life. You know what double honor is? First of all, we honor them by being obedient and respecting them. But double honor is when we go above and beyond and show that we appreciate them. 
that's double honor. So every child that's listening, every young adult that's listening, every youth that's listening, every student, honor your mom and your father. Honor them. Respect them. But do something for them to show your appreciation. I love walking up to officers. I love seeing men in uniform out in the public. I'll buy their lunches. I'll buy their meals. That's double honor. It's very healthy to do. It's very healthy to do. One of the things we're doing for Riverside Cares is the outreach, and we're going to honor our teachers in the community. We're going to give them double honor. That's healthy for your child to see. It's healthy for our children to see. When the Greens came up here and testified, they gave honor to God, and they respected God, and the fear of the Lord came in, and they had more respect for the fear of God than they do the person that was lending them the money. So God said, I see their heart. I see their hearts together coming together. That's the DNA of the community of the church that I want to see. So I'm going to bless them. Instead of $12,000, it's going to be $50. That's amazing. That's amazing. These things can be in your family. Will you all stand together with me here this Sunday morning? I've gone longer than I should. I need to get you out of here. So can you just right now raise your hands? If you're in this building or watching online, we want you to surrender your heart to Jesus if you've never have. We want you to say yes to him today. And you can do that by saying, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my own ways. I don't want to do it my way anymore. I want to do it your way. God, touch my conscience. Touch my conscience today. Let me see. Let me know. Let me understand. I love you today, Jesus. I love you today. Right now. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for every household. We pray for every family. Let the fear of God fall upon every house in this building. Let us have an honor and a respect for all the things that you do. Help us receive, God, a healthy fear, a healthy reverence for the things of God. We want to grow in wisdom, understanding. Let favor begin to cycle in our life and teach us the right way. We pray for our city. We pray for our neighborhood. We pray for our neighbors. We pray that our entire family this year will come to God because we chose to honor you first. And we chose God to believe you first. So, Lord, let signs and wonders begin to manifest this year in this church. Let signs and wonders begin to follow us this year in this church to validate who you are and why we're here. And we're here to see you high and lifted up. You are our Lord. You are our Savior. You are our Deliverer. You are our God. And we praise you right now in Jesus' name. So somebody give a shout of praise and tell them, thank you, Lord. Come on, somebody, lift up your hands. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.